Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. My whole personal favorite, peace. You know, peace comes after a conflict. Yes, it does. The two ways. Peace does not be the way. The reason you need to call peace is because somebody took it. And then, the peace peace is a person. That's why we cannot ever have peace on earth. Outside of me. He said, in me, you will have peace. The world don't have tribulation. It's going to be hard out there for plenty. But in me, you have peace. Mm-hmm. See, so when they tell me we have a peace accord, I know that that's just metaphoric, allegorical, because we don't have substantial peace, because yeah. you need to have the prince of peace to get substantial peace. Mm-hmm. I'm okay for the accords. I'm okay for the calm. But let's call it what it is. We have calm. We have fire. We have a, you know, we're going to behave ourselves, behavior modification, call peace. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. We we both we all are gonna agree that we're not gonna let our worst self, our baser self out. You know, put our baser self, our violent self on lockdown. Okay, my behavior self. But peace comes from the Prince of Peace because peace is a person. Yes. And the reason that that's important is because creation is a person. Yes. So if peace is a person, uh, if creation is a person, then all of its virtues. And all of its virilities, its manifestations, its systems, and operating, etc., is person. That's what Paul is letting us know about the body of Christ. We are a person. Mm-hmm. We are a person of person. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about it, that is why there is such a difficult time for them to really scientize creation. They, you know, scientists do not, if they're not prophetic on purpose. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to talk about a pre-existing anything. They're going to talk about what they see, mm-hmm. what has already been. And, you know, in God's language, what is has already been. So, But they can't trace the origin of nothingness. Mm-hmm. Isn't that powerful? Mm-hmm. Because nothing has an origin. Mm-hmm. In order for there to be nothing, there must have first been something. Mm-hmm. And then the absence of something gives us nothing, because something has decided that something else ought not to be, ought to cease existing. You know, when we talk about lost stars, and that's my favorite statement, lost stars, dark stars, you know, uh, golden stars. God said, I made all these stars. Not one is missing. I know where every lost star is. I know where every wandering spirit is, because all of it is me, and I know everything that's in me, that's come out of me, that is controlled by me. Mm. And that is why people fall into unbelief, because that is hard to process. Yes. It is hard to process that a single being 
called the first begotten son of God. The second person of the Godhead holds all things that the Father's made to death. That's hard. That's hard. That means that you look to the right, look to the left, look above, look beneath, look downstairs, go in the basement, get there on the attic, hide in the tower, float in a cloud, you know, speak across the blue sky. No matter what you do, there is Jesus. So if Satan cannot stop Jesus from being who he is, he stops people from believing who he is. That way, what people don't believe, they don't pursue. That's right. So I'm excited about this. Did you have fun? <laughs> you know the rules. You have your bell. That is your bell. Look, I have to do you like I used to. That is your bell, honey. That's the bell you ring. Yours is better. No, no, but that's yours. It has your name on it. Look, it's green. And then we go with color. Then we go with color. And it's nice and green and shiny. And then they're like. <laughs> But I like that one. No, this is not your bell. All right. Repeat after me. That is not my bell. <laughs> it isn't your bell. I, I, I can't repeat that. I can't repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's, uh, what don't do you say? Don't even say that. I can't repeat that. We're going to talk like, about that today. What a perfect segue. Yeah, yeah. What a really perfect segue. Oh, really? Segment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am excited about being back. First of all, I want to thank you all for joining me. I hope you had a great holiday. I had a phenomenal holiday, and I had days after that I got an opportunity to rest, and I did. I took my opportunity to rest as much as I do because I don't rest. As, as a rule, I just don't. You know, it's not something that I do. And I don't do it because I, I like what I do. I like why I'm on the planet. I am good at why I'm on the planet. I'm not trying to figure it out. I am so excited. I feel so bad for all those people on their religious quests and trips. And, uh, I don't need that. Because I, I know where God is every second of every day. Every half second of every day. And you know where he is? As far as I know, he's in me. I don't have to look for him. He's in me. I don't have to wonder if he exists or not. As a matter of fact, when I get to acting crazy, he reminds me. <laughs> and he exists. <laughs> and I'm God. Don't, you know, God's like, don't lose yourself now. <laughs> don't lose yourself. Because, you know, we can lose ourselves in the quest, and we can lose ourselves in people's lack of God. See, most of you all, you're following somebody else who said, well, I just don't believe there's a God. And you're like, but I know I'm saved. He's in here. He's not the God. No, instead, you don't want them to feel bad. It's easy for you to let make Jesus feel bad. But you don't want them to feel bad by saying, well, I don't know to tell you he's in there. So let me just break that mold. I'm going to change that. I am here to change the narrative, and I'm, I'm changing it. I'm here to change the brainwashing. I'm going, we're going to be awash with the blood of the Lamb, with the Word of God. I'm here to change the doctrine, the theology, the physiology, and everything else that pertains to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like it. I am a change agent. A lot of people think that they're a change agent because they change the daily whole service. That's not me. Oh, yeah. Uh, just for you. Just for you. Uh, 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 no, take that, get, take that away from me. <laughs> okay? So I understand I am here to change things back to what the king originated. You know, we think change is novel. 
just because it's new to a generation doesn't mean it's new to creation. And again, that which is has already been. And that which is to be has already been. For there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing. The devils aren't new. The only thing new under the sun is your formation from the dust of the earth. That's it. You don't know it. You haven't seen it. And when you are, when you rise in God and you stand in God, you realize that. And God then begins to interact with you on that presence. He begins to tell you. You can learn and see how he does things simply because you, you cease to make everybody who he doesn't talk to or who has rejected him comfortable in their rejection. So I don't have those conversations. I'm not playing, but how can you prove God exists? How can you prove he doesn't? Because in my understanding, math is based on what is, not what isn't. We have X unknown factors, unknown, because nobody, it doesn't say it's non-existent factors, it's unknown. And so prove that he did, prove that he doesn't exist. Well, I consider God must not exist because we have crime, we have all of this. But how is that the absence of God? God hasn't committed a crime. I didn't shoot anybody. He didn't kill anybody. He's not sex trafficking. Humanity is sex trafficking. God's not pizza dating. Humans are doing that. God's not robbing people. God is not stockpiling food to guarantee a famished nation. God's not doing any of the things that you're holding him accountable for. He's not done it. God said, I gave you the rain in season. I'm giving you the, 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 the harvest of the earth. I'm giving you good things when you read it. You all don't know what to do with good. The problem is you don't know what to do with good, so you definitely don't know what to do with God. Because in your mind, wickedness and evil should prosper. And that is not God. So God is like, well, I gave the earth in the hands of the children of men and, 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 and humans, so I'm going to let you all do what you have to do because, see, we don't live like that. We do not live like that, which is why when we ask God for a solution, he can reverse it, and he's got plenty of supply to over-replenish our lack in our deficits. So God is like, you all want a planet like that? Fine. Otherwise, vote out the wrong people and stop voting in the same things you are afraid of or the same things you hate. There is no way in the world you can see what we have going on and see the profile of these two two people and not figure out where God is. God said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, not, not, not the cruel life that you have. So God didn't create this. See, you're the ones that like, you like the dictators, you like the low Marxist thing, you like all of that because you want the, the power of your existence to be in the hand of a cruel, hostile few. You want that. So don't come talking to me about how evil the world is, because I'm going to tell you how evil its occupants are. The inhabitants of the earth are evil. And so God decided, I got this small little group over here called the Ecclesia, the born-again, spirit-filled sons and daughters of God. And you know what? When they sell out, they they don't just discredit God. They actually jeopardize you, because we are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And when we decide to sell out for a house, a car, some fame, and all of that, that's not God. God didn't sell God out. God won't sell God out. He said, you know, we, we may be faithless, but God is faithful. 
So when people get in, so we, we, we are so saturated with, with, with Satan's issues with the Almighty that we don't realize that we have bought into his propaganda. You have, I don't. I'm not gonna, I'm, I, I, he can never impress me, not once. You know why? Because you got kicked out your land. Like we are, I mean, as, as compassionate as we are about those nations that have been taken down with communism and whatnot, we still don't celebrate it because they are no longer alive. That is what they're attempting to do with the United States of America. So I'm not impressed. I know people say, well, yeah, but they can. No, no, no. All of the filth they got to take in to get that little mess that they do? No. And all I have to do is say, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Well, I use God's name. Yeah, but y'all use it in vain. I don't have an empty Jesus name. See, with Jesus, when I call Jesus, it's not vain. It's not hollow. It's not empty. Okay, there's power in the name, and I put my power in that name. And Jesus will show up for Jesus, and he will show off for himself and his father. So I, I have no problem with that. Like they can, you know, people want you to feel uncomfortable. I don't feel uncomfortable because I don't see anything about your life that's working. And let me tell you something. You, you don't look like you did when you were 16 and 21, and neither do I. So guess what? The reality of what Jesus said happens to humans on earth is showing up in you too. Aren't you? Isn't that wonderful? That's my opening. <laughs> I got an opening. And so I just opened for you. Hallelujah. So you, you buy people's problems with Christ. I don't have a problem with Jesus Christ. I got a problem with the people who have a problem with Jesus Christ. I have a problem with you. And Jesus doesn't have a problem with this. He said to me over and over again, I said, but God, why don't you get involved? He said, they don't want me to. I said, but God, they're praying. He said, they're not praying. He said, they want out of the prayer. They don't want to do better. Come on. They want a, new, they want a clear path so they can do worse, worse. Yeah. I just, don't you just love them? I sugar pie, Jesus, that's my honey, man. So he said, people don't want to do better. They just don't want the consequences right. of the evil that they do. I mean, what is abortion? Abortion is what? Termination of a pregnancy. Is that right? right. That's how they write. Doesn't that sound nice and scientific? It's not mama murder. Uh, I'm a Abortion is mama murder. Now it's the fourth thought. Mama murder. But see, that doesn't, you know, that'll make people think. But you understand our problem isn't abortion. It doesn't begin with your pregnancy. It began with your setback. Oh, right. So if you had shut down business, you wouldn't have to abort. Come on. So we keep making it like babies just come out of the wind. You know, I just went by a wind, and I ended up pregnant, so now I got to abort it. No, baby, you laid in gas. To all my sensitive viewers, to all my sensitive viewers, to my tender I know that's right. I'm going to ask you to forgive me that moment of shock theology. See, that's shock theology. You know, we cleaned up the Bible so much, you don't know how dirty it was before. Because I want you to understand, these original translations are not that. 
No, when they said they, because they were wrong. It was it was dealing with the vulgar, the vulgarity of the people. They were crude. And when some of the things that God say are crude, who in the world walks around saying, I'm going to kill everything that's up the wall? Well, that's the scripture. <laughs> so I'm going to shoot everything. He said, I'm killing everything that picked up the wall. Okay, Jesus. We don't even think Jesus knows words like that. We're like, Lord, do you know comfort? <laughs> I mean, come on, Jesus. So I'm saying to you that we, Satan deals with the, the, the point of discomfort, not the origin or the source. Because, see, the origin or source will cause restraint, and there's no money in you restraining your sex drive. Come on. It's like, you ain't going to make money off of that. So, <laughs> He said, you ain't going to make money. <laughs> ain't no money in there. Okay. So I need you to recognize that when you are in God's high office, apostle and prophet, you do not start at people's discomfort. You start at God's displeasure. And we've been starting and being locked in on people's discomfort, people's issues with God. You cannot be a prophet and, and be concerned about how people are reacting to God's righteousness. It's righteous. Of course they don't want it. There's a logicalness, there's a pragmatism to the prophetic that we have not seen or heard. If you've been following me this week in the evening broadcast, and you have been hearing about the prophet's critical thinking. Prophets are supposed to be God's most critical thinkers until we got to the... the um, the apostles. Now, the prophets are God's soul critically, critically thought through. Apostles are God's spirit critically thought through. That's a class. You're going to have to sign up for something, and I'm going to get all of that detail. So today, we're going to deal with prophecy, how it works. And I say that because we think we understand prophecy. No, you understand the observation of prophesying. You don't understand the product called prophecy. You don't understand the process called prophecy. You don't understand the pathway. Now, you understand it in other areas and other professions or technical fields, but prophecy has a technology, and we're going to talk about the technology of prophecy a little bit today. You're not going to get it all on purpose because it's a little much, and we don't have the time, but you can get the entire training. If that is what you want, um, we'll tell you how to do that. But here we go. Let's look at this. If you look at your screen, you can see uh, active bits and bytes. You can see the world spinning. Do you see that? See the Holy Ghost descending, bringing down God? Yeah. Don't you see that? And do you see the atoms, all of those atoms back in the background? See, I want you to see there is a technology to prophecy because there are elements and components to it. And where there are elements and components, you have atoms. It is atomic. So God encoded earth with his prophecy, all of earth. God's spiritual word turns physical on earth. So God's word is physical and spiritual in God's world because they are built to deal with what exists not what is sensed. They are built to deal with what is exists, not what people sense. 
I'm sensing. I hardly ever say, now I have, but I hardly ever say that about prophecy. That's like saying I'm sensing that my pulpit is there. It's there whenever I get up on Sunday. And trust me, if it's not there, people have to tell me why. <laughs> I'm just saying. Where my stuff? And they got on me back. It has to be where I need it. Why is it over there? Let me tell you how good my team is. I got one. I know I got one of the best teams in the kingdom. When they have to do something that's out of order, they they meet me at the door. <laughs> okay, they start at the door. Okay, so Dr. Price, when you go in, this is not. <laughs> okay, so Dr. Price, but this is not. And then my first answer is why. That's how God is about His creation. There are components and elements to prophecy. For example, it starts living because it starts on us. Starts with what? It's picked up by your ears. So in God's world, prophecy is not what we say. To them, prophecy is actually a project. It is a an immaterial project that those spiritual forces assigned to make things happen in God's world undertake. It becomes prophecy when it comes, because it comes outside time and space. And it comes outside of, a, of the human makeup, it outside of creation. So the pro piece of it, the pro, the C or femi, or feni, depending on who, which one you're using, that pro is beforehand. So prophecy comes beforehand. Now why does it have to come beforehand? Because if it doesn't come beforehand, then it has nothing to invite so God says how this body is this body of information, this body of elements, this body of components, this body of processes, how they all systemically come together to benefit humanity or glorify him. See, this is prophecy training, not that stuff y'all got. That's not a training. We don't even know if it's right. We're letting you say and interpret. And we can't verify that you're saying the right thing or that it is an interpretation of what you said. We can't verify anything. So we have to take your word for it. And many times I've heard people do, you know, because I am what I am, who I am. I've heard people stand up in church, give these words, bread, take, and they say the Lord, I'm your God. I just love you. I'm just so perfect before me. I just cry and grieve for you. And I'm not hearing that. I've got another interpretation. Because I'm a prophet too. So i got another interpretation. And I have stood up and given that other one, and you know, folks get mad because, see, that's not about God. That's a ritualistic expression to give people the sense of God being among us. Because God, the man, you do something with his word. I mean, he is not, everything is not going to be as warm and fuzzy as he does. And I have, and I've sat down with real prophets, and even those who were raised like that, and then God stepped up like he do, did with Balaam. And he says, thus says Balaam, whose eyes are open. A lot of those people have never had God visit. He never opened their eyes. He never opened their spirit. They just went to training or technique. Yeah, yeah. Because, honey, when God speaks, I'm going to tell you something. Even if you get mad, you're still going to know God spoke. 
So God encoded the earth with his prophecies. God's spiritual word turns physical on earth. Now, why? Where is that in scripture? Because you know, people get stuff. Did you notice that the, the screen says divine providence training, not prophecy? Divine providence training, because prophecy is the mechanism of divine providence. God providence. If you take off the the I like that. The MCE, you got to provide. So if you don't know what providence is, just take that off. So how do I know that? Well, because the, we, we had this debate since time began and since man began to have a brain that works. We've had this debate that he created the world in seven days. First of all, if God didn't say seven, he said six. And the last thing he created was not the world. It was humanity. So he actually created the world. He, he literally made this creation in five days. That's the whole idea of five being the hand of God. So in five days, God created the heaven and earth. Now he says six because he attaches humanity to creation because we are created. Day six, God created humanity. Day seven, God has some downtime. I don't know why. I can't figure out why he needs downtime. I mean, you know, a couple of moons, planets, stars, you know, animals, creatures. I mean, obviously, come on, that's life work for the Holy Ghost. All right? And the full Godhead was involved. But then what happens is he takes this one-day rest, and then he comes back to work. And when he comes back to work, it says God forms, God forms, God forms. So all of the physical things outside of the ecology and the cosmogony, God forms. Well, if you made the animals on day four, why are you, what are you doing? He's embodying. He's putting that spiritual or immaterial version of that creature in flesh made from the dust of the earth. Now, you know that's good. So when you think about, when you understand how he did that, so yes, the stars showed up. Yes, the planet showed up. He made, and it said, God said, let there be, let there be. Well, where is he getting it from, his world? Replicate yourself. Photocopy. Okay? So he's telling all, because he said, we're not his only world. We treat this as God's first work, his only work, and now we act like he's still in practicum mode. He's still apprenticing to be God. That's how we treat him. So he said, let there be. Let is an interesting term because when I say let something happen, that means it's already happening elsewhere or the material and, and the products for it, even the manufacturing scheme for it is already in existence. Let there be. So where did he get it from? And he said, let that life be for signs and seasons and all of those kinds of things, right? Life at night. But you read further in the scripture, we realize that those lights were angels. So he's telling these angels, take your oath. Man your station." See, we keep thinking that that how how people have misunderstood it, and, and and I mean God just closed this revelation. When God doesn't want something, He just He He lets 
you stay stuck on the obvious to arrive at your own conclusion. But when he really is ready to do a new thing, he opens up a whole new stratum of knowledge, revelation, and information. So when he said, let there be in the sky, you better know that existed. When he said, let the waters bring forth, that means he had already germinated the waters from his world. Because when God, God operates himself on the cellular level. So he operates cellularly. He, uh, he, 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 he is filled with all of the germs, the bits and pieces, that's why you see that on your screen, of everything he wants to become a body or a being. But the, the, the heavens, that, that was, they already, those creatures were there. Because remember, Satan was once in that, and now he's in the swamp. And he was an angel. Specifically a cherub, which is a class of angels. I know he says he was an archangel, but his maker said he was not. <laughs> I'm just false So he says, let there be. That meant those angels that he had brought with him for this creation project and its processes were told, man your station. Take over the planet. Govern this world. So then we find later on about the, the sons of God that didn't keep their first estate. So this verifies what I just said to you. Interesting thing about the King James Version, it's very important that you, you understand this. There are a lot of things to take issue with with the King James Version because we know King James did not like women. Okay? And that he was a 24-7 homosexual. I know we don't realize that, but that's what he was. That's where you know, and when stuff is in the spirit, you know good and well. So anyway, the one thing they understood was that creation was a being. They talked about the sun being a him and the moon being a her. Now, think about it. They talked about the virtues being her, seeds being male. They talked about nations being her or him. Why? Based on the manifestation of the the spiritual being that showed up in their world. See, we're operating on that because we have all of this 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 um, advancement. We're operating on the premise that those people were dumb because they didn't have light and gas. Right. Yeah. They didn't have technology. Yeah, they had the best technology. They had creations, archetypical, prototypical technology. Being did it. I don't know if I agree with that. Jesus did Jesus came as the being. Now we all, you know, he downgraded himself, but he came as God, and everything he needed was in him. So that tells me creation is a being. Not to mention that it says in him all things consist, and that God made everything by Jesus Christ. So we, and because we have done it, so you cannot take over anything until you separate it from its origin. And in order to separate it from its origin, you have to make those born into that origin, that origination, despise their existence or how they came to be. 
Satan has got to use contempt, despite embarrassment and inferiority to take down anything. Because when there is dignity, when there is pride, national pride or, or community pride, when there is confidence and boldness, you cannot get, you, there's no way in. What do you say about Job? I've tried. Can't get in. No matter what, I've tried to get in. You've got him heads up so tight that I can't get in. Now, you know, if he can't get in, Job is pretty well shielded. So creation is a being. If it's a being, that means it's anatomic, neurological, physiological, biological or biotic, and zoological. So if we God made us in his image and in his likeness, in his image and according to his likeness, then you have to recognize that everything that's in us had to be shut down, had to be depowered for us to become mortal. Because meaning mortal actually means devoid of eternal power. So God doomed us by depowering us. How did he doom Satan? By taking his power. So now how does that pertain to prophecy? Well, God does everything by his word. Everything. And I set that up to give you an idea of the whole problem of, of creation being a being so that you'll understand that prophecy has DNA destination. So and if you look at it, it's the DNA that's moving around. It's saying God's design, spirit gene, natural gene, family line, and ground made. Ground meaning dirt made. Earth. So when you think about how God, how he does what he does, what prophecy is, prophecy is a measure of God projected in, outside of his being or from his being. I want to say extended is probably better, but extended from his being to something pertaining to his creaturehood or his creation. You are not a prophet because you get a prophecy. You're a prophet because God gave you the prophet spirit. A lot of these people don't have the prophet spirit because the prophet spirit has a particular presentment, a particular perspective aspect of God and God talking. How do you know? Jesus comes as a prophet. Moses is a prophet. Moses was a prophet, as much of a prophet in that water, in that basket as he was at the day he stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. He was a prophet then. And because he was a prophet, he was a valued asset to the Almighty. The prophets are going to be assets and resources to somebody. But prophets are born with a particular measure of God's spirit. Devils don't make prophet spirits. They exploit them. They hijack them. But they don't make them. Which is why when God got ready for Balaam to talk truth, Balaam couldn't do anything but. So prophecy, prophecy is literally the first DNA. In other words, your biological material is a product of God's prophetic aims, operations, and intent. There are families, literal families, that everybody in the family is a prophet. 
just like we have families where everybody in family sings. Like we got the gay part. They even married people with the singing dress. How do y'all do it? <laughs> with the singing dress. We got the gay, we got the whiners, we got all of these. They are literal families. That that gene is, that is in them for that. Right. So when we think about prophecy, without fail, prophecy is God's word becoming flesh. Jesus was prophesied for ages, millennia, all the way back to Genesis, and the woman shall bear a seed, or your seed shall bruise uh, the woman's seed. Women, women have eggs, right? <laughs> but not when they have males. So Jesus was as, as came as prophecy. He said, "What did he say? He said, No, a body you have created for me." Lo, I come to do your will, O God. So Jesus' body was prophesied. He shall have this kind of mind. He shall have this kind of spirit. He shall have this kind of thought. He'll have this way of thinking. He shall be just judicial in his behavior. He shall be a governmental in his makeup constitution. So prophecy is a constitution and a constitutor. That is why so many people can say, you're going to have a boy, Josiah. Can we talk about Josiah? Yes. You're going to have a son. We talk about uh, um, Jacob and Esau. Two nations are in your womb. All right? They came from sperm and egg. We know that the, the seed part is, is the spirit because spirits are seed. Spirit, seed, everything, because the word is seed. And we know that the, the fruit part is the soul. The soul is the fruit. And when you think about it again, going back to the King James and them talking about the uh, cosmos, the sun is the seed, he's he, because sun, the sun seed, right? And then gives life to the thing so that seeds can grow. And then the moon is a sheep, and it's a tidal wave, oceans, and things like that. So that's the watery part and the the electrical part or the energy part. Are y'all okay with this? Is this okay? Because I know that we're not accustomed to looking at it this way. And when we join the energy with the water, we get flesh. So you can, you know, when I talk to women who are waiting to get married and they're, all I want to do is get married. You know, first of all, you don't even know if you can produce anything. If you have it, you don't know. But secondly, you don't know the sweat seed that particular family line comes from. And we don't care about that. But I don't care. God will work it out. He will. God will work it out by hoping you live it out. <laughs> Do you realize how much God works out by you living it? I'll be with you. Lord, when you go through the fire, I'm going to be there. When you go through the storm, when the enemy comes on you, I am there. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say I was going to do your life for you. You know, when you were saying a few minutes ago about people like it doesn't matter who wins, yes it does. It matters to the people to the people in power because who wins is who has the power and God operates on where the power is. See, that's why you hear so many times in scripture, power and authority. Authority and power. Why? 
and, and, and all of that are in people. So if you don't know people's genes, pull their DNA, their family tree, family history, why do you think Ancestry.com is pushing? Because they're trying to extract the composite for the ideal adversary of Jesus Christ and crucifier of his church. Because they know. Because how do you define a gene? What letters? What are letters? Words. How do you define an element? Periodic table. All words, numbers. Script. For lack of all-encompassing word, script. God's heavenly language manifests by taking on physical form. God knows that he's inaudible to us. He knows that he's invisible to us. He knows that he is different. He's, you know, holy, sanctified from us. He knows that. But God doesn't need us to hold and touch and handle him for him to get done what he has to do. He just needs to speak to his creation that he is already seated with what he wants. Leaves come up, leaves. Doesn't make a difference how many times you want to. I'm gonna tear it down. I'm gonna trim it down. All I got is this little piece of dust of leaves. That's it. It's all dried up. What are you gonna do? You throw it in the backyard. Three months later, a year later, you got a plant. How'd that happen? You didn't plant anything. You just talked. Wow. Everything in creation makes this point. I've often said dirt is the most intelligent thing we have. There's nothing we have more than uh, more intelligent than dirt than humans. Dirt is smart. Dirt contains killing and making alive. Dirt contains disease and cures. Dirt knows how to give you vitamins and it knows how to deplete your strength. Dirt knows how to reuse your remains and how to sustain life for those that are born from you. Dirt knows where the genes go, where the genes are. Dirt knows that it starts in dirt. But from the dust you came to the dust you will return. I think God's brilliance shows in the most phenomenal manufacturing system in all creation. He made one man, one woman, and they still showing up. Dirt has your blood and your bloodline. All of the blood that's in the dirt, yet somehow or another, is fine. <coughs> the price line. How does it do that? It finds the father's line. It finds the mother's tree. And it finds the mother's tree through the father, through her father's line. So dirt picks out, dirt doesn't just say randomly hit some blood. No, no. It does the mix based on the composition that goes with, I mean, can you imagine the, 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 the attraction, the magnetism in that? It's just brown birds. Dirt's so smart, it knows whether it should produce a European or an African. <laughs> well, you're like, but that's in, the, that's in the DNA. Yeah, but where did it get it from? Dirt, the most fundamental, primitive contribution to the human makeup is dirt, because he said that, dirt. He said that. He said it's a spirit that gives life. So what happens is that dirt is going to produce pretty much no, uh, no food and usually deformed kids or deformed citizens. So we need the dirt to have some electricity. So what does God do? Strike it with lightning. So he can get the dirt power to perform and produce. Dirt. I'm telling you, dirt is the smartest thing we got going for us. 
And God was so smart. You can tell it is, and you can tell that's what it means to him because he said, curse is the ground, not the sky, not the clouds. He said, curse is the ground for your sake. He said, the most pervasive way for me to punish you and your feet in the night is by cursing the earth. Figure out what doesn't come. Even water has to go through the dirt. Water may come down from the sky, but trust me, it can't get a thing done without dirt. I know. Isn't that powerful? Because people wonder why is it we can't beat death? Because God killed dirt and told death, you operate through this. Diseases, medicine, pharmaceuticals, herbaceuticals, you pick, pick, pick something. Pick something that can escape dirt. This metal started in the dirt, mountain, dirt, up ceramic, dirt, everything in the planet got scoped by dirt. Comes through dirt. Isn't that a powerful thing? So when you realize that the Lord said, Curse is the ground for your sake. He's saying, because of what you did, I've got to downgrade all of creation. And he said, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth for you, and you will eat by the sweat of your brow. So when you when you come down in time, and you see that it said God so loved the world, God changed the ecology through the blood of Jesus Christ so that people could live long enough to get saved. And through the blood of Jesus Christ and the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, dirt is no longer as hostile to humanity as it once was. Because now... The Holy Spirit is handling the ecology. Are y'all still there? So let's talk about how this works. Hebrews 11.3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, God is telling you that science can tell it, tell it when it takes on body. When it takes on flesh, science can tell you what's something. Angels are going to tell you what it is before it takes on life and flesh. The angels are going to tell you that. And they're going to tell you what it can tell you. you know, they're going to tell you what, what, what this is made of and what that's made of. And they're going to tell you through your brain. Because they don't wait for it to take on a body to know what it is. They have seed expertise. Uh, oh, very good. Wow. And I'm talking about not soil seed. I'm talking about power seed. They're going to tell you what this is, what this stream is going to do versus that stream. So they don't have to wait to tell you that you're going to have a son. And you're like, but I'm 80. And just like, yeah, but I'm looking at the most high rate drop something there. You're going to be fine. You still want to say I'm 80. All right. So, because God's world, first of all, takes him at his word. 
is they know that if once you take God at his word, then you become persuaded by that word. You become convinced that it can happen, and you will conform your entire existence to that faith. We've watched the media. They keep saying the same thing. Who did they learn that from? They keep saying the same thing. You know, when Chief showed us that whole video about how many of them was it, like 12, 24 of them talking about they're, they're endangering our democracy. We're not a democracy. We're a republic. That's the first thing we need to understand. Democracy is what they're, what they're peddling to take over the republic. And they peddle it through nations throughout the world, and they are, they're turning from it. Because they realize, hold on, people are crazy. Yeah. My thing is people cannot decide on dinner. If I say to you after this show, we're all going to go out to eat, tell me where you want to go. We are not going to eat. We're not going to eat. Nobody, no. That's not, I'm just kidding. I got that. I'm Alex. I said, you know, but I said, I'm no, 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 that makes me remember my grandmother. But by the time we get, <laughs> baby, by the time I get through all of that, we could have called DoorDash and I could have made a unilateral decision. We're all eating chicken. <laughs> okay. And then you'll say, well, I just don't eat chicken. Good. Then, that, then, you have, then you're going to exercise your liberty. To go and get, get something else. All right? So when you think about it, nothing in Scripture supports that. Nothing in Scripture. As a matter of fact, the major example of it that we have in Scripture is the book of Judges. Every man did what was right in their own eyes. There was no king in Israel. Everybody did. That's democracy. That's independence. That is democracy. And so when it came to a problem, there had to be a consensus. Because democracy doesn't really have a constitution because you've got too many people. They have consensus. Majority rule, that's consensus. So when we talk about that and we say, uh, we say that this is how our country is going to go and this is, how, this is how we do it, and constitutions begin in people. They don't begin on papers. People come in one mind and agree this is how we want the effect that we have projected or we're expressing by our unity to be in this world. So the, the thing I want you to recognize is if it doesn't appear, it doesn't mean it isn't so. That's the hard part about prophecy, and, and it can't appear until it's spoken. Now, prophecy does not belong to this world until it's spoken. It is the possession of the carrier, the messenger. And before that, it's a specific messenger, the messenger assigned to speak it. Because they passed on through that. How many of us have seen six foot uh, ten, six foot seven uh, men or women and say they call to athletics? No, they're not. And they say, I don't know. No, I want to be a doctor. But they are carrying the genetic material for an athlete. And, so, and they may not know they don't want to do it until they get to the adult years. But you didn't see that. We looked at the outer appearance, but God looked at the heart. We'll talk about that on another broadcast. But let's look at this. So while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal or temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So what are we saying? That everything came from eternity. Everything. Let's look at the next one. 
All God does is say it, and it becomes so. David says that he said, you know, you spoke, and it was so. You commanded, and it held fast. God does everything by his word. So there is something that, that we, the church, must get about the power of God's word. Why, it, why his word is a fixture in creation. What are the, the dynamics of his work that cause nothing to produce something? So that has to do with the code in creation. Creation is coded for everything God will ever say. And it's coded not only based on everything he will say, but the frequency of the Almighty. It's that frequency and it's that, that, that sound, that tenor that moves creation to do what God wants. And if it's moved by anything else, then it's hacked. And the hacking has to do with devils exercising their, uh, their authority over a people or a place and their, uh, what do you call it, their genealogy in that race or in that person. So by those two things, it, they literally perform the word of the Lord or perform, make creation perform despite the word of the Lord. That is why when we prophesy and it, it looks like it doesn't happen, we don't say oops. And we know we heard from God. We got to find the devil that's throwing up the smoke screen because it's that devil needs a smoke screen to do the same thing that God does without effort, and that is stimulate faith in that word. Because human faith is how things happen outside of God's predestination, predetermination, and preordination. Wow. See, the pre part means we don't get the second. If that's something God has set in motion. Why? Because it is not waiting for a voice to, uh, to trigger it only. It's also waiting for the, the conditions to be right to set it in motion. Balaam. I use him a lot because he is from just, you know, from uh, numbers on, he is the God's standard of false prophecy and also mercenary prophecy, trend prophecy. And so Balaam, his word worked because God didn't get involved to stop it. That's what intervention is, stopping something that shouldn't be or stopping something that is detrimental. So Balaam, his word worked until... God rose up, raised up Moses, at which point, okay, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. By the what? Word of the Lord. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. My God, I don't know about you, but when you got, so what does that say? God spoke. So did something come out of nothing? Absolutely. A lot of something came out of God's voice. The quote unquote nothingness that was there. But we forget the earth existed, pre existed Genesis. Right. So all of those spiritual properties and attributes were there just dormant, waiting to be revived. In addition, we talked about the fact that he spoke and all those angels are like, okay, they filed in. It's kind of like a, a, a major corporation putting up a building. And it's all designed, and then all of the furnishings are there, and the resources are there, and facilities are working, and facilities are happening. They are everything but the people. 
the workforce is waiting. They've been interviewing people at the hotel for like three months. <laughs> so everybody's waiting for start day. And so finally, when it's happening, when it all is completed, you have a single day where the lobby is full and people are streaming and going to their station. That's how it works. And so with God, that's where we are right now. So he summoned them. So, yeah, he brought, his word brought things out of nothing, but there was a whole lot of something there that was invisible because God's eternal material is not corporeal until it hits the dirt. Until it hits the ground. So prophecy journey. Your prophecy has quite a journey to get from God's mouth to your life. You should know that, that its journey is a mystery and not magic. Because we like to say that. You know, Satan needs magic because he's acting creation. Because he is, he is literally authorizing his fallen comrades and their offspring to discover and then to manipulate, to abuse, to misuse. So when we think about poison, when we think about uh, chemicals, harsh chemicals that are, are detrimental, when we think about disease, when we think, that's creation turning on God's creature. So their job is to see to it that it's there. If they don't like you, they can put it in your daddy, daddy, daddy's deep. That's what they're trying to do now mm-hmm. because everything God makes is fully self-sustaining and it's self-encompassing, all-encompassing in that person. What God wants us to do when we talk about the new birth, he's talking about giving him a reason to turn our power on and to allow it to grow and to be educated and to be intelligent. We think it's about us going to church, casting out devils that may not even be devils. Mm-hmm. You know, the devil got such a such a pervasive reputation that they can all be on a beach, and we still don't have deliverance party. <laughs> not a devil in the community. Okay, they all on the beach, probably laughing at us. <laughs> When in fact it might be human dysfunction or soul deformity because of the devil's genetics in the line. Not the being. That being is probably ages ago, long ago, you know, but the genetic in the line. And so they just send these little petty spirits spirits to influence. Yeah, you know, because how many times would you put unclean spirit over death? Yes, yes. This happens when you read and when you pray and when you read this and then you pray some more and then you research. See, there are a lot of prophecies you will never hear from the majority of the people out there because you do not have the intellectual prowess for it. They just aren't intelligent enough to go beyond the obvious. 
which is why they call observation revelation. See, in this whole election thing, we're seeing who had the word of the Lord versus who followed the office. I thought y'all might like that. Did you like that? Okay. So your prophecy travels an intelligent heaven to earth path, to get to earth. All of the logos, because intelligence logos is part of that. Intelligence is speaking to the logos of God and not just the conversations of God. Rhema is a discourse, your conversation. So they're giving you a rhema word. What is that? I don't know. And I never did buy that. I'm going to tell you, I never could. I promise you. I kept saying, but what does that mean? I said, no. I really didn't know. Because I came from, you know, I came from business. I came from a corporate background and, and years of trainings and seminars. So when somebody said to me, I'm going to give you a rain of words, I did not know that it was not, not necessarily a repertory word. It wasn't prophecy. We called it that. Now, it could be, but not everyone was. So I go and I research rhema and realize that it's rhema is how we got the word rhetoric. So it's a rhetorical word. So that means that it doesn't have to perform. It doesn't have to produce. It doesn't have to embody. It doesn't have to tap into creation. It doesn't have to bring creation out. And it's God's mercy when it does. Because rhema and prophecy are not synonyms. Y'all loving me? <laughs> so that's why we have, just do your homework. You don't have to even say, follow Dr. Price, Apostle Price, you're wrong. Do your homework. Research rhema. Rhema goes all the way back to rhetoric. Like when we say, is that a rhetorical question? Right. What are we saying? So it's not tapping into creation other than it's audiated. And we have to conclude that it's something God told them to say. And it doesn't have to be prophetic. It doesn't have to be predictive because most rainbow words start with I see and I say. I don't sense I'm an apostle. I am. <laughs> I'm not trying to think. I'm not looking for the sensationalism of our apostles to be. So when you think about it, when, you know, so these people, we, they're now, and what did they say? Word of wisdom. Okay, they can't even get the word of wisdom because they, they stuck on word of knowledge. But if you look in Bible, word of wisdom comes before the knowledge. Right. Or the knowledge before the wisdom. So they're telling you it's a word, not a prophecy. So we got word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of those are manifestations of the Holy Ghost, but they are types of conversations that he is having. But prophecy is distinguished from word of wisdom. Prophecy is distinguished from word of knowledge. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you a call. Uh, I get a call? <laughs> but I want you to hear this because we have got to understand 
arguing what is not prophecy. Right. We may be arguing opinion Come on. masquerading as prophecy. Yeah. Oh, no. We may be arguing deductive reasoning Come on. that is not prophecy. You know, we may be arguing conclusions, observations, assumptions, presumptions, all of which are in Scripture. We have got to have the classic definition of prophecy and what makes prophecy classic. Because they all use words. There's always, everybody uses the composition of words. But how do you diagnose divine communications to slot everything in its appropriate category. Prophecy is in a class of its own. And it doesn't make a difference whether it's a, whether it's a false prophet, a God prophet, a Jesus prophet. It doesn't matter. Prophecy has to tap into creation. And there has to be something in creation that will respond to it and go to work on bringing it to pass. Y'all better show me some seeds today, and I and I, I I need you to dig in because you can't get this anywhere else. So when you think about word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and, and you have to understand that that which comes from a prophet has a different, not just a different method or mechanism, but it has a different composition. The prophet spirit is tied to creation. That is why false prophets can get their, their results. They just have to get them from a dead form and from a dead source. Because the death in creation responds to them. Cursed is the ground. For your sake. So where are they getting it? They got to work the ground. They got to work the animals. They got to work death to try to get some sort of animation to back their words. I'm telling you, these are the things, because I really want you all to, to not be gullible, but I'm giving you what I'm calling diagnostic tips, prophecy diagnostic tips. There are traits to prophecy, and then there are attributes that, that make it false, and there are indicators. Rather, attributes that make it true and indicators that make it false. And you've got to know those markers. That's what I was meant when I did the broadcast on critical thinking. These prophets don't think critically. You know, when you are a genuine prophet, there are a couple of things that are, uh, that are non-negotiable. First of all, you God raises you up and he literally attunes your ear to his frequency, the Godhead frequency. That is why... You can hear, see in, in Nehemiah, he said, then I discern, God didn't send them. Even yes. though they were prophets, yes. Yes. God yes. didn't yes. send them. Why? Because he recognized that they failed the, the diagnostic affirmation or authentication test. Because they were telling him to do something contrary to his mandate. And they wanted him to be afraid of fulfilling the word of the Lord. That's right. See, when, when fear comes, you need to understand that you have one or two responses. You have to recognize that is that fear actually caution or is it panic uh-huh. or is it purposeful? Mm-hmm. 
So there is a lot. When we do our prophet lab, we're going to do a prophecy lab. And when we do our prophecy lab, you all are going to work this. And you're going to learn how to discern this. So you have to, especially when you ask people how they got, how'd you get their work? Well, actually, I was driving down the highway, and I was listening to my favorite rock song, my favorite beat, or like the girl who says that she got come through, bibbity beep, 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 come on, come on. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you have to know how people got to be where they are in Christ. Because like anything else, it's formative. The journey is formative. Is the journey is forming something in you. And we need to know because that's how we test your pedigree. Are you all enjoying this? Yes. All right, so how to judge your prophecies. Welcome to spiritual judgment class. This is the whole class. How to judge your prophecies. Because right now, we judge prophecies by our preference. I prefer you not to say it like that. I've been, I prefer you change the text. That's like going to going to school and telling the textbook change the print. You have more regard for those people's text than the text of the Almighty. Well, I just kind of think that that was harsh. I want you to understand somebody saying that if you get out on the road, you're going to the ice is so thick and slip, you're going to spin out and die. That's harsh. But you know what you do? You stay home. Unless you have no choice. You stay home. So so we use preference to to judge a prophecy. And then we use our, our, our emotional reaction. That cut me. That hurt me. Yeah, surgery hurts. Injections cut. They pierce but you have to be concerned about what's in the hypothermic. What's in that? And then we use doctrine. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not what my pastor teaches. You just said pastor over prophet. Come on, somebody. When God started talking about a prophet, pastors didn't exist. Yes, exactly. They did not exist. Moses had no pastors. I'm just saying. He's the, he's the most defining vanguard archetypical model we have and he had no pastors. Actually Moses had a prophet called Aaron. Now when did we get to the I don't know. And then after that he had 70 elders. So we have the pastor, we had we had the uh, the prophet or Moses as the apostle, the prophet and then the elders. And then after that, we got the teachers. So you look at that, or the priests, and then the teachers. First we got the priests, then we got the elders, and then we went on. But pastors weren't in that list. So don't tell me what your pastor says unless your pastor's a prophet. Because God gives pastors sermons. God gives pastors messages. God gives pastors doctrine. He didn't say we give the pastors prophecy because prophecy is handed down. You understand? The prophet gets the word and it's handed down. So pastors are supposed to be preaching prophet's message. 
Come on. Oh, come on. Can I do this now? Yeah. I'll even let you see what you want to do. Every one of the five folds has a particular vein that, that, that God gives them to disseminate to their following and their audiences. Evangelists get to preach. And they preach particularly what will bring you into the kingdom of Christ and what will kick you out of it. So when you want to talk to me about your pastor, I need you to tell me that your pastor has a dictionary, has an assessment, has a handbook, has a theology text. Then talk to me. My, well, they all have that. Yeah, but not for the prophetic point. That's why most of the commentaries are vast the prophets because God did not give them prophetic insight. He did not give them prophetic wisdom or acumen, so they couldn't put it in their commentary. And those that do contain it, you can read it and say, yeah, you were prophet. Yeah, they beat you up pretty bad. Okay, ways to not judge prophecy. Can you all see that? Okay, ways to not judge prophecy. By your feelings. You understand that when you are under disciplinary measures, you don't feel good about it? When your boss says, we are disciplining you, that doesn't feel good. Censure doesn't feel good. Rebuke doesn't feel good. And you know what? You don't quit your job. You go back, and if you stay, you go to God and ask God to help you. And God tells you like he told Hagar, submit. Some of your issues is because you don't know how to submit because you actually think that the authority of you as a believer in Jesus Christ gives you that same authority and work with you don't want to. <laughs> what happened? Well, because you don't. You really don't. And then by your personal experiences. Your personal experience has nothing to do with prophecy. You're down the line. And, and people have experiences about you all the time. That, that You can look at your friendship list. That ought to tell you a lot. You can look at the people who show up when you need them to. So your personal experiences, and experiences are shaped and formed by practices, by behaviors, by conduct. Usually when people talk about they don't like the promise, I'm like, but you probably don't pray either. So how are you going to talk to me about something I got from the prayer realm? You don't want to do praise and worship. You come late for church, leave early. You don't want to start. In other words, the things of God's spirit do not penetrate your veneer, your outer shell. So you don't know. And if God sends you a prophecy treating him like that, you better know it's serious. By your opinion. You have no framework for your opinion. And many times people's opinion is based on errant prophecy teaching. Yeah, well, my spirit doesn't bear witness. Nobody cares about your spirit bearing witness. God's God, Satan's spirit didn't bear witness to God. Okay? God is accustomed to spirits not bearing witness to him. The one third of the angels that left didn't bear witness to God. The warriors that fought him were not bearing witness to God. Korah and company didn't bear witness to God and Moses, and the ground opened them up. So that cannot be a precedent. You cannot make that 
doesn't bear witness. Unbelievers don't bear witness, and that still doesn't make me. Let me say to God, I'm going to take your nation down. I'm going to take your leaders out. Heaven does not need our approval because everything heaven wants to do has been pre-approved. They pre-approved. So that can't work. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I just don't receive it. God does not care. Do you realize how many people are in the grave who didn't receive yeah. their diagnosis of disease? The grave is full of folks who won't receive it. All of them. People, you get a pink slip. I don't receive this. <laughs> I just don't. I, 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 can't, I can't receive this because God told me I was going to be here until I retire. You don't know if the company's going to be around after retirement age. There's a lot of assumptions in that. Isn't that the truth? I, just, I can't bear witness with that. I don't receive it. I just don't receive that as the word of the Lord. Well, you probably don't receive a lot of things as the word of the Lord because you don't know the Lord's word. Yeah. It's not hard for you to say, I don't receive it, if you don't know it. You don't know that what's in this Bible. You don't know that there are things in this Bible where God said, I don't care. Yeah. You have no idea. And God is only informing you as a courtesy. Because sometimes you get those courtesy prophecies. Listen, I'm very careful for everything. Everything. Okay. Of your whole life. So you need to get some things straight. You realize that all of the years that Jeremiah prophesied, the majority of people in his country did not bear witness and didn't agree, and Babylon still took them away. They threw them in the sewer. They threw them in the dungeon. They deprived them. They starved them. They wouldn't feed them. They did everything. And that man stayed on that word. Come on. And, and, and this is what God said to him. I just love this man, Jesus, the sugar father. love Let me tell you what he said. He said, Jeremiah, your relative is going to sell your piece of property, offer your piece of property, buy it. And when you buy it, bury the deed over here. He said, because I'm getting ready to empty this land, and I want to make sure that you are safe. Yeah. After all he went through, when that word came to pass, hell hit everybody else. Jeremiah went to the deep well. Okay. I'm gonna get this because this, I own this property. And then when the when the king of Babylon comes in and he takes over the land, God told him, treat Jeremiah kindly. And so Jeremiah was living large. Everybody else was trying to get used to their depressed lifestyle. <laughs> so they come to Jeremiah. Come on, tell me. Now listen. You know we're supposed to be going. Tell us now, because you've been right all along. Oh, now I'm going. Oh, now. Now, now right. So when are we leaving? Jeremiah's like seventy years. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, uh-uh. uh. God said, tell us, go have some children, plant some good vineyards, and build your house, because y'all going to be here a while. Yeah. Because when you reject God that long, you understand the judgment is going to be twice as long. Yeah. Punishment is going to be twice as long. Because God wants you to live in that which you spiritually create. Okay. So you have to embody your false prophets. By your limited knowledge. You understand that there are court cases with people who went online and read something about a disease or treatment and then tried to practice it as a professional? 
That is criminal. They call that criminal. And you can be cited or you can be in prison for practicing without a license. Can't get a license without knowledge. You're exercising a license you never saw. And so you cannot judge prophecy by your limited knowledge, even of the subject matter. You may know the word of faith, the stuff up the front and down the back, but you don't know how to follow. You don't know prophetic. You don't know God's mystery. And God keeps it in the mystery. Okay, by your doctrine. We talked about that. Your pastor not like it. Hey, here's a good one. By polling friends and loved ones. So what do you think? Do you think that's God? Oh. Look at the polls. You realize that people even poll differently on different days. I was mad at my father, so I said that. I made up with my wife, so I, I see it this way. Hold. Here's another one. By past false prophets. That, I mean, people still go to doctors. You know, had so many doctors that couldn't help you. As a matter of fact, the woman with the issue of blood, she said the physicians could do her no good. That didn't stop her from chasing Jesus, falling on the ground. Do you know how you have to hit somebody in with somebody's vomit? You're not walking. You are crawling on the ground to touch the hem of his garment after everything else is mm-hmm. The prophets, the priests, the Levites, the scribe picks up. And she still believed that a healing was for her. She said, I just need to get to the true healer. And the humiliation she went through. There are times that God will make you go through humiliation for a word to come to pass because your arrogance will kill it. So he will embarrass you. I got that prophecy and got fired. Yay! <laughs> but why did I have to get fired? Because you wouldn't resign. And God needed to move you. So he had to dislodge you from the obstacles that are keeping you from being eligible and involved in his word coming to pass. So he gets you fired. You're like, that ain't God. Yeah, it is. I said to someone, even on my show, I said, somebody did something to me, going back sometime, but I remember the first time I, he's done it, he's done it several times since, and I said, but that ain't God. That can't be God because I'm the prophet. I'm the great prophet. I should know God. He can't be doing it because he's not clear with me. <laughs> don't you need? Don't you think God should clear things with God? Did He clear it? He didn't clear it. So I'm something, and I mean, I am going. Everybody who's polling from polling, I'm stolen. I'm telling. I'm you name it. I'm doing it because, honey, I know that this is wrong, and God just put up with me about as long as He could. And out of the blue, He said, "I said." He waited till I said it one more time. That ain't God. He said, yeah, it is. <laughs> I wanted to start calling, but I already know the Lord's voice, so I said, you? Well, why would you do that? He said it was necessary. I had to move this person Cause, because they were in the way of what I was about to do. There are times that God will tell you to move out of a place because there's judgment on it. And he'll say, I need you to move now. 
Most people were going to say, well, God, wait a minute, this is my budget. Hold on, let me look at my cash. Right. <laughs> hey, God, you know, I realize that your word is true, but I can't afford your word. Right now. I can't afford to obey your promise. I can't afford it. <laughs> your promise is a little, it's a little inconvenient to me right now. You know, I don't make enough money for your problem. Right. Uh, so let me make a little more money and what happens. So then when you go through and you're praying, because the thing what God said is going to happen, and you're praying, and you're telling you, you're going to be my daughter. And I turn my eyes, and I pray, and I have the faith. I did everything. And you didn't cover me. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't cover me, Jesus. I want to know you didn't cover me. You should have protected me. I did. Well, he said, you didn't receive my protection. I told you to move. Oh. But God, I didn't have the money to move. If I told you to move, you should have figured out I had a place for you to go and a way for you to get there. See, this is, this is a bad prophecy that's out there. People lie direct. Their homes are wrecked. They've lost their homes. He will say to you, put your house on the market so and so time. Oh, no, God, that's a bad market. Nobody's going to pay for it. Put your house on the market. No, I can't put my house. You understand, God, I'm going to lose money if I put it on the market now. Okay? So then you don't put it on the market, and then some sort of calamity comes through, and you can't get below market value for that house. And you can't sell it because it's unappealing now. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. So God doesn't always have to clear everything with us or gain our approval or put us in a position that we have an incentive to obey him. He's like, I'm God. That should be incentive enough. You need more incentive than that. You need too much. Some of you all out there, God told you all to leave your state, leave your city, and you told God what you couldn't do. Now you're mad, family all COVID up. Business shut down. You can't even get down the highway. And you're saying, God, if you give me a a, a way to get out, then I'll leave. God's like, no, I did give you a way to get out. See, because we forget God's alpha and omega. See, we want God to handle things when we're at omega. That's not how we think it. And then by perceived failed prophecy. Well, the, this is eight points. Eight ways to not judge prophecy. And so this one is very interesting. This is the one where you say, I'm, I'm sorry, God. I, I'm sorry. The last four prophets were wrong, and so I believe them, and I did this and that. Sometimes God has you, play, has you prophetic obedience training. You do it because you believe in the word of the Lord, not because you have any type a bond with the prophesier. Come on. Wow. So here we have Peter. Jesus comes as a prophet. I keep saying that because we keep saying we don't know what prophets doing and not prophesying. Jesus was a busy guy. That man never, I mean, come on. The man never said the one little nap he tried to get. <laughs> Storm come. The folks scared. Jesus, how dare you be sleeping when we're dying? You know, like the storm doesn't know I can't kill this boat. Okay? So, but I can't. The storm already knows. Isn't that the most time? Yeah, he's going to get done. I want to keep my position. I'm going to leave him alone. So, he's, you know, Peter's like, we toiled all night. He had failure, 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 but nevertheless, at your word. Because if it wasn't tied to prophecy, you tried until you died. But because it's prophecy, it's 
not worth trying again. There are times that God will give you words to, to train you to obey him so that when the big thing comes, yes, right. you are programmed to not miss it. Yes, but we want to continue to live in the past. Yeah, well, you know, so and so. And we act like we did all that great for God anyhow. You better be glad the man want to talk to you because trust me, a lot of these failed prophecies could have been you missing it. You miss your appointment. You miss your date. You miss your destination. You cut off a relationship too soon. You decided I didn't want to get out the bed. You decided I didn't want to go down the street. Don't assume God was wrong. Many of us, you got a prophecy, and you're like, I tried ten times. I'm not even going. And then you're going to find out five people got hired. You weren't there. Absent. Absent. So don't assume it. It is better for you to walk a word out that's not detrimental to your well-being so that you can build up the instinct to obey the Lord and to discern. Because if you are genuine, God's going to tell you a prophecy is false. Yeah. Whether he tells you audibly or whether he tells you by example or recall or something, but he's going to tell you this ain't it. And then there are times he's not going to say it. I've had that. Okay, so Jesus, um, was this like a role play, real test, or what was this, Lord? Because you knew good and well I shouldn't be doing He said that you would not follow evil. Wow. Wow. You, need to, you need to up your faculties. Strengthen your faculty so that you don't follow wrong. And the only way to know how to not follow wrong is to follow wrong one time you miss. Yeah. Okay, here's the one ways to judge prophecy by God's sentiment. What is God's traditional feeling on the matter? Because you see, false prophets are going to come, and usually they come first. Saul came before David. Moses was on Egypt's team before he got on Jesus. So usually you have got to also look at the timing because you have to recognize how to vet your prophecy. So God, Jeremiah says about God, when Hananiah tells him that it's not going to happen, Jeremiah 28, he said, listen, from the beginning of time, God has never blessed a nation that sinned against us. So we are sinning. We're not going to be blessed for that. This word will come to pass. And so his, uh, his opposing prophet snatched the yoke off of his neck to say, well, I'm sorry. I'm going to prove that you're the false prophet, so I'm going to yank your neck. Yo. God said, go back and tell him that for some months he's going to be dead. <laughs> and he died. Well, God had to die because they made it, the, the guy made it a public spectacle. If they had had, we've gone out for coffee behind the scenes, that's one thing. But he stood in the king's palace, and he stood there to discredit God's prophet because Jeremiah was going against the other 399. And when you do things in public to disparage God's truth, God will humiliate you in public. That is why you see so many people's stuff coming out. God's like, I just needed you to have a little discretion, but since you're going to, you know, you're going to defame me in public, so I'm going to defame you. By God's person. But God cannot, he can't bless sin. He didn't say, I won't let sin be blessed, and that's where we get confused. But God won't bless sin. So what am I saying? He said when people come with their idols in their heart, I'm going to answer their idols. I'm not going to answer your best interest. 
Because if you're bold enough to cultivate an idol and then to get me to approve it, and if your idol is so weak it needs my power to perform, then I'm going to answer you according to your idol. God's person is God cannot sin, God cannot lie, and God cannot fail. And because God is moving through creation as he's constructed it, and he's not hacking it and ripping and tearing it as the cultists do, it looks like what God said is never going to happen or that it can't be performed. But God has already told creation what to do. In creation, in order for God's word to come to pass, there are people involved, there are situations involved, there are institutions involved, there are a lot of entities involved, there are a, a multitude of factors that God's word weaves itself through and pulls itself from to come to pass. But cultures don't have to do that. They're just going to hack and they're going to lie. They're going to bribe people. You realize that how many people were bribed for this election and these prophets did not even consider that it was a bribery? Right. And now it's coming out how many people were bribed? Oh, yeah. So I thought you got a word from God. No, your idol yeah. gave you your word. <laughs> and God answered you according, according to your idol because wow. he knew that you did not want him to take control of your life. So they brought, so we look at people, wow, brother's doing good. He done been in the bathroom doing all kinds of vile, perverse things so that he can get a little extra change and look great so the devil will bless him in reward for his perversion or her sin. I'm just saying. By God's historical judgment, we, we just talked about that in, in uh, uh, Jeremiah 15, 1. We're talking about by God's omniscience. With many times people ask why God does not have full information. Yeah. You know, we are limited in knowledge. We only have a little bit of info. God not only has all information, he's had it for eons. He's been waiting for the circumstances and the situations to take shape for what he wants to deal with. By the doctrines of Jesus Christ, Jesus comes as a prophet, he's the Messiah, he's the first begotten son of God. So Jesus is God's template, God's standard, God's norm, and God's mouth. So Jesus never, they, I mean, they were mad with him. You know, we're going to kill you. Not before it's over. I'm not, not yet. I know y'all going to kill me, but I just want you to set up a few more things to get done first. <laughs> and then I'm going to get on that cross. But I'm not going to get on that cross a day too soon. They wouldn't do for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Now that's a statement and a half. People can chew on that forever. So Jesus Christ is the quintessential model of the prophetic, of a prophet discharging the office because he's the author of the office. He's the authenticator of the office. And once God broke the seal on that for me, I understood the prophetic. He said, but you realize that I came as a prophet. He had crowds, and they said, you know, a prophet from Nazareth is here. We call him the fire. He is. We call him Savior. He is. But it, to them, he was the prophet that Moses prophesied would come, who would be like Moses, but have one variable that Moses didn't have, and that is an internal power to command people to hear. People to draw Jesus' hand. Moses had to go with ten plagues to bring people out. Jesus stood in the mountain to come home. By inquiring of God's spirit, 
Ask God's Holy Ghost. God, is this you? Because I have found out if you don't want to fall prey to false prophecy, two things will happen. God will keep you out of their path. You have to force yourself to go. Like Jehoshaphat put himself in the path of false prophecy. Huh. And then say, can we find the real prophecy? Is there a real prophet? Is there real? He says, there's a prophet of God. So Jehoshaphat knew all of Ahab's prophets were false. They were liars. He knew that. And here's what's worse. Ahab knew they were false and they were liars. Okay. So they, it, it, and all the prophets understood. They were not there to be truthful. They were there to be paid to placate the king's delusion. So here we go. And so Jehoshaphat said, well, is there a prophet of the Lord anywhere? Because he had sat there and listened to them lies, one lie after another child. He said, and where was the true prophet? In jail for being a true prophet. You got to go to the prison to bring out the true prophet. Because, you know, back then they had what they called prophet's prison. And so they had to go to the prophet's prison to bring out the prophet. And they had to clean him up. He was dirty and sick. You cannot go to the king. Even if he's a false, deluded king, you still cannot go. <laughs> Doesn't matter. So they had to clean him up and they're begging him. Listen. Everybody is cheering the king on. See, you didn't ask me to cheer. You asked me to prophesy. But he said everybody is cheering the king on with one voice. We're all saying the same thing. <laughs> is that the media today? I told you he's the prophet. One voice, they're all saying the same thing. That ought to tell you we got a problem. And the people who say something differently, they got to go to the underground newspaper and all that. All so he said, please encourage the king. He said, all right. He goes, stands before the king. Jeremiah is pleased. He looks scruffy like a false prophet, um, you know, like a false prophet because he doesn't have the false prophet lacquer and slacker, okay? Because, you know, the false prophets are slack. They, they, they look really slick, don't they? Because that, that, that veneer is real. You can... Anyway, so he said that, please tell me the truth. No, he said, what does the Lord say? He said, the Lord said, go and you'll prevail. They snapped him. Why are you lying? Now, why are you snapping? <laughs> <laughs> you always tell me the truth in the name of the Lord. And then the guy said, well, since you're not since you're forcing me, let me tell you, you're going to die. <laughs> By Bible prophets and scripture to, prep, to verify or better prophecy. You cannot vet prophecy without the Bible prophets. And you can, you can, you know, you're going to prove pagans, you're going to prove psychism, but you cannot do it without the prophets because that is the template. And lastly, by God's historical prophetic record. God, everything, you know, we, we listen to by, by people um, and they talk like, well, you know, the Bible is outdated. First of all, the Bible is more current than it's ever been. I mean, that book ought to be bold right about now. Okay. Because I want you to understand. Tell me, because when people tell me the Bible's outdated, I tell tell me why. Tell me how. Well, because it's well, because it's about religion, like today. Okay. Well, because about Jesus Christ, you got a problem with that. That's your you got a Jesus problem. So your Jesus problem is talking. So guys, I thank you for um, listening and hearing. We're going to have probably about a 10-minute after show, and we will be done because I want to 